Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. My goodness. Good morning, Avenue Church. And again, my name is Pastor Jeremy, and I'm the lead pastor here at Avenue. And how many were here last week for Mother's Day? We had a great message by my wife, Pastor Lindsay, and uh, she just tore it up. And so I encourage you, if you missed it, I would normally say jump on our podcast and listen to her message, but it was so good that she was on fire and she tore that board up, and so it didn't record, because that's how good she was. I mean, she was that good that the board didn't record, and so uh, make sure that you could just, I don't know, have a conversation, but also you can go on our podcast and look at some previous message series as well. And so if you weren't here, that sucks to be you, you know, I'm sorry, you know, but uh, man, we're excited you're here. Also, we have a great uh, kids ministry here at Avenue Church. We have Avenue Kids, and I, I, I tell most people we have four experiences for your children. We have nursery, two and three-year-olds, four and five-year-olds, and an awesome kids K through fifth, and we have some great volunteers. We have some great A-teamers that love serving your children. So I encourage you, you can feel free to check them in as well. Also, raise your hand if you've been uh, plugged into a group, whether it's this week, last week, if you've been plugged into a group, and uh, I've really been enjoying our groups as well. My group, we meet Monday morning, and uh, I love the guys in my group because it's early, all right? 6.30 a.m., we're having coffee at Samba Latte, and we've been having a great time of just discussion, a great time of hanging out, a great time of coffee, but also, I joined the group this Saturday, Robert Capazzoli's golf group, and uh, had a great time with those guys as well, and uh, I don't know who won. We didn't keep score, did we? We, 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 we burned the evidence of that, but uh, had a great time with our golf group. I got to see Yvonne's fitness group here at Avenue Church from 7 to 8 a.m., and uh, they're working out. I got to join their, our prayer team, and if you want to pray, and you want to pray over our church, over families, over those that you love, come here at Avenue Church every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m., and we walk this beautiful property if it's nice out, and we just pray over these grounds. We pray over Opportunity Village and over our church. we got a lot of great things going on, but I encourage you, get plugged into a group. Go to avenuechurch.cc forward slash groups and get plugged in. Find an area that can fit your needs because we have free market group, which are based around some hobbies and interests as well. Young adults, Thursday night, we got all kinds of just awesome groups. Young adults, you here today? You're here? Young adults are up here. Milo, you're here. All right. Got some young adults here today as well. And so take your Bibles, open your Bibles, and find the book of James. The book of James is near the end of the New Testament. Begin to look for that. And we're going to jump into a great series for the summer called This is Living Now. This is Living Now. And the book of James, in my opinion, is one of the most just amazing Bibles and amazing books in the Bible. And, and I love the book of James because it's practical. It's relevant. It's for today. I love taking the book of James and say, you know what? This, is, this applies to our daily life. And so I encourage you, let's go to the book of James. We're going to go through the summer, but as well as get ahead of me. Jump into James chapter 1, James chapter 2, all the way to 5, and begin to read it over and over this summer and begin to encourage your soul, begin to encourage your spirit to say, what does this mean in the book of James? See, the theme of James is spiritual maturity. It's spiritual maturity maturity. So this summer, we're going to work out together. This summer, we're going to get swole, all right? We're going to get spiritually buff. We're going to be uh, just physically buff. That's all right, you know, but spiritually buff, we're going to get together, and we're going to grow together, because the book of James covers anger, temptation, how to treat people, 
how to make wise decisions, pride, prayer, money, judging others, power of our words, healing, faith. The book of James covers all those topics, and we're going to take about eight to nine weeks and really begin to devour the book of James. Why? Because we want to live now. We want to live a godly life now. We don't want to respond to the world, but we want to respond to the Word of God. And so that is why it's entitled, This is Living Now. That the book of James, I wrote this down, if we devour the book of James this summer, if you begin to read through the, literally the entire Bible, but if we devour the book of James this summer, you begin to find yourself responding to the Word of God and no longer reacting to the world. You begin to respond to the Word instead of reacting to the world. What does that mean? Fast, right? It means when you're driving in your car and you're going down the 215, which I learned it's fast, all right? You've got to drive fast, right? Officer, I was just trying to keep up with the flow of traffic, all right? But on the 215, if you cruise that thing and somebody cuts you off and you, you, you want to bless them with your words, you want to bless them by saying, you're number one, you can get ahead of me. If we begin to respond by the Word of God, begin to tame our tongue. Or maybe you have a little one at home and maybe he's five years old and maybe he doesn't listen to what you say sometimes and you say, boy, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world, all right? I will, I will, I will, I will make another one of you and give him your name, right? But we're going to begin to respond maybe in a workplace, maybe in a relationship, maybe, maybe anywhere you're at where you're facing some trial or difficulty to say, you know what, I'm not going to respond to that, but I'm going to respond according to the word of God. That you, begin, you, you, you become what you feed, and I encourage you to feed yourself with the book of James these next couple weeks, these next couple months, and begin to encourage yourself in that. So James, here we go. Everybody there? Turn your Bibles to James. If you're, uh, you know, if you're hip and all that, you know, get your phone out. Go to the Bible app. Also, you can look on the Jumbotron behind us as well. We want to make sure you feel here at home. Also, we have Bibles that we give away for free. So you can even get out of your seat now and grab a Bible off our things, and you can keep it for yourself as well. James chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations, greetings. See, this guy's pretty formal, huh? He says, James, a servant of God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, so he doesn't name drop, but he just says, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, greetings. What's interesting here is James is actually the half-brother of Jesus. The many theologians say we can all agree on that, that he's the half-brother of Jesus. And I wanted to ask, how difficult would it have been for Jesus to, pers to persuade James that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God? Because theologians believe that James did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God until after the resurrection. Can you imagine that kind of life where Jesus is like, hey, I turned water to wine. James is like, shut up. You did not. Or Jesus, hey, I, I, Lazarus was dead, and I rose him from the dead. And James is going, you're, you're lame. You know, quit it. But it wasn't until after the resurrection that James began to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. You can have relationship with somebody. You can have close proximity with somebody. But you, can, you can still not believe. So I'm going to encourage you, let's have a close proximity, a close relationship with the book of James. Let's, let's allow our hearts to be opened up to say, I want to believe and I want to know more about your word. So I want to ask you today, any, all right, anyone else, anyone love HGTV uh, or DIY network or any of those terrible networks, you know? <laughs> See, uh, this week, we're, we, we've been uh, working in our yard, 
And uh, when I say working in her yard, I hired, I hired somebody and I'm helping him. <laughs> That's what it's called, all right? And if you're gifted with your hands, you can create things with your hands. Or you're a carpenter, we got welders, we got carpenters on our team. Um, you know, I love you, but I also hate you at the same time, right? I hate your gift. I love that you could just do it, but I can't do it. Now, you might say, are you a craftsman? No, but I'm a handyman. What's a handyman? I will hand the, the tools to the professional. I will do that. I will go to Home Depot and send you pictures and go, is this what you want? No, that's not what you want. Okay, is this what, can we FaceTime? I'm FaceTiming my gardener. Hey, is this the one you want? Because HGTV has opened up this whole realm of I could do it myself. But as well as I watch HGTV, it's great to see the before and the after. It's great to see here's the rotted, disgusting house, and now here's the new house, right? Uh, even when you work out, here's the, you know, uh, some, you know here's the, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm chubby, and now I have a 12-pack, right? For some before pictures, I'm like, I want to look like that. Like, that's a good goal, you know what I mean? He's kind of skinny, and then he gets ripped, whatever. But we like the before and after outcomes, that we enjoy seeing the transition. We enjoy seeing the results, that before my yard was barren and full of weeds, now after it has plants, it has beautiful scenery, all those things, that we are, we're excited to post a before and after picture. There's, there's some before and afters that can be good or they can be bad. You determine that outcome. How many, uh, how many are married? Raise your hand if you're married. You're married? All right, here, married people. How many of that? Before you were married, right, you held the door open and let her into the car, right? After you're married, you say what? Get in. Come on. <laughs> right? Or before you're married, I wrote this down. Before you're married, you have dinner reservations. After you're married, frozen pizza. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Before you're married, on your, you're on a great little date, and you take your, your girlfriend out or your fiancé out, and you're enjoying the date, but what you ate was a little spicy, and it was a little, little rough, a little difficult, so you get in the car, and before you're married, you just can't wait to drop her off, all right? You're just like, I'm fine. Why are you sweating? It's hot, you know? It's winter. It's okay. And you drop them off, and when you drop them off, you go, thank you, Jesus. They're not in this car. I have my own personal little bubble. That was before you're married. After you're married, you lock the doors, you lock the window, and say, hey, babe, I got a gift for you. Before you're married, you couldn't get through a movie because you couldn't take, keep your hands off each other. How many know what I'm talking about? That's true love right there. After you're married, you still can't get through a movie because you're both sleeping, right? It's over? What's going on? But my prayer today is that we're able to spiritually post before and after pictures of this summer. To say, here I was before my spiritual formation. This is here I was before spiritual maturity. And here I am after applying the word of God to my life. Here is before life, James. Before, this is living now. And here is after. I want to begin to see life change. Here's what I enjoy. When you're working hard on your results, you don't notice the change in your life because you live with that change. But when you get out of that change, you begin to encounter old friends, old family members. They say, what is different about you? You change. You look different. You act different. And that is because of the Word of God. The Word of God will transform our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Amen? Amen. I'll get crazy. I'm crazy, all right? Let's go to verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2. 
This is what James says. He goes right to the punch. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whether you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. See, the word face means you fall into something unexpectedly. It doesn't mean you're in sin. It doesn't mean you're, you're making all the wrong decisions and choices, but it means you fall into something unexpectedly. Now, I want to encourage you. You will face problems in life, not because you're Christian, but because you're human. You know what the outcome is, though? Is that we have a Savior who's in our corner. We have Jesus who's in our back, who's got our back. We have a family called Avenue Church that says, you know what? You don't have to go through this alone in Jesus' name. But whether we face trials, that trials are coming your way. Do not be upset or surprised because now we have an opportunity to grow. We have an opportunity to grow. So I got three, uh, just three acronyms. I was joking around with somebody yesterday uh, the, on the golf course, and uh, we said, you know, preachers do golf acronyms like golf, like go, and others, and liberty, and faith, and that's my sermon today, right? But here's my message today. It's ATW. It's, and ATW is something I want you to walk away with. You might say, what is that? Like all-terrain world? I don't know what that means, but I want you to think of ATW as all the way. That when there's a trial in your life, God's going to take you all the way through it. When, you have, when you're facing a problem in your life, God's going to take you all the way. That ye I walk through the valley of death, thou will fear no evil. God's going to get you through that valley. God's going to get you through that trial. But there's three points I have with us today. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. You might be asking, how do I get out of a trial? How do I get out of this problem? How do I get through it instead of escaping it today? So write this down if you're taking notes, even on the back side of your Connect card. But number one is A, which is attitude. Which is attitude. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I begin to read that in my past, uh, just in the history, and, and, and reading that scripture going, consider it pure joy when you fall into trials. And I always thought that was a crazy Christian. You know what I'm talking about? Like, ha, 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 things are going, you know, like all hell is broken loose, ha, 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 ha. And you're like, get away from me. I don't want to hang out with you. You're strange. You're weird. But that's not what it means. It doesn't mean <laughs> you're really excited when bad things are happening. But this is what it means. Biblical joy is not to be mixed with pleasure. That's what we think of joy is. I find pleasure in this trial. That's not what it means. It's a biblical joy. It's not to be mixed with pleasure, but rather the ability to look beyond problems and to become more like Jesus. The ability to look beyond problems and to be more like Jesus. To say, I'm in this trial right now, but I'm going to consider it pure joy, pure joy, because I know God's going to get me through this. I know that God has my back. I know that I've been in a trial before, but God is going to move me beyond this. I know that I'm going to have joy in this trial. Have you ever experienced someone who's been through a trial or a tragedy, and they say, you know what? It was difficult. It was hard, but I would do it again because it made me who I am. We've got to consider it pure joy when you go through a trial. Attitude determines altitude. Attitude determines altitude. That you determine whether you go up or you go down. You determine whether you're going to say, I'm going to praise God through this trial and I'm going to get through this. Or you can determine the attitude to be a victim. 
to say it's happening to me again? Why is God doing this to me? What is wrong in my life? It's because of this. It's because of that. If we could do all those questions, it's easy to do that. I'm telling this as your pastor. It is easy to say, why? But I'd rather have an attitude that determines my altitude to say, you know what? I'm going to learn from this. You know what? God, what are you doing in me and through me in this trial? God, how can you use this trial to help others, to benefit others in their life? Have you ever met someone who is so positive, (laughs) even in their tragedy? You know, you're like, man, it's like, it's like really windy today. And we're like, at least it's not 120. You're like, shut up. <laughs> like, they live in Disneyland, you know. But let me tell you this. You can do nothing to a person who has a great attitude. You could do nothing to a person who has a great attitude. They begin to look at all things, that, that you're not this crazy person, but you're looking forward to ending the trial, that if you have joy in the midst of the trial, because you know God will get you through it. Now let me I'll read this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, other of our Lord, all praise to God, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is merciful and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. Now, as I begin to read that, it begins to dawn on me that oftentimes us as a culture, us in our Monday through Friday, that we find comfort in our situation. How are things going? Good. Because everything's going good, therefore I'm comfortable. But it shouldn't be this way. It should be all praise to God. He is my comfort. So it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter if you're walking through uh, death. If you're walking through the gates of hell, you say, God is my comfort. That this doesn't dictate my happiness. Only Jesus does. This is living now. I preach you good. You got to shout me down a little bit, all right? I have a friend of mine. I tell his story many, many times. When I was a youth pastor, I had a good, just a great student. His name was Savon. And many of us know him. He was over here two weeks ago playing uh, bass for us. And long story short, Savon went to a grocery store, and an individual shot through the back of the car, and a bullet lodged into his spine and made him paralyzed from the waist down. Went to the hospital. We, many of us, we, we met him outside UFC, and we just waited to know if he was Okay. And the newscast, they all came to his, to his room, and they interviewed him, and they said, you know, you're paralyzed from the waist down. You're, you're probably paralyzed for, for the rest of your life. And what do you want to say to your shooter? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know what I would have said. I don't know if I would have said some angry words. I don't know if I would have said some nasty things. But Savan says, I forgive you. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Because my friend Savon had every reason to say, my attitude determines my altitude. Therefore, I'm going to be a victim. Therefore, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be upset. And I'm just going to say, screw life. But instead, he, his attitude determines his altitude to say, I'm going to still use my gifts for the gospel. He was a drummer. Now he's playing bass. Why? Because he's still going to advance the kingdom of heaven. He's still attitude. Second one, going to make an impact. So the first one is attitude. Second one is trust. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, 
lacking nothing. That we have to trust the process. We have to trust the process. There's a connection between the trials you face and your faith. The trials you faith, face, <laughs> I knew I'd do that. The trials you face and your faith. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Therefore, let perseverance finish its work. What does that mean? It means God is up to something in your life. God is doing something in you and through you during this trial. He is testing your faith. Why? Because he's mean? No, because he dealt to you a measurement of faith, and he wants your faith to grow. He wants you to move mountains. He wants you to do extraordinary things for his kingdom and his glory. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. It gives us the endurance. It gives us the trust to say, God, I trust you, therefore I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep running this race called life. I'm going to keep running this faith journey. I'm going to keep pursuing you. I'm going to get up on Sunday and get to Avenue Church when I don't feel like it. Why? Because you're giving me endurance. I'm not going to quit and tap on a Monday morning when, the, when it gets tough. Why? Because I have endurance. I have perseverance. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. We can rejoice. We can have joy, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. we got to trust the Lord with all our hearts. Lean not on our own understanding, but know that the testing of your faith is producing perseverance. Perseverance is developing your character, and in that character development, it's creating a newfound hope in Jesus Christ. That faith is like a muscle. That the more we use our faith, the more it begins to grow. The more we begin to develop that area of our life. That trials are opportunities for you to work out your faith. They're for you to develop your faith so you can trust God more. Let me tell you who I don't trust. People who want to do CrossFit. I don't trust. That's terrifying. You want to, work, you want to do that to yourself? But in that, they're developing I wrote this down. Why do you want to do burpees? You want to die, right? Like, that's wrong. Your body was not made for that. But I once, uh, many, many years ago, I once bought P90X. How many heard of that? It's a DVD workout program, right? We watched on the infomercial, and it grasped my attention. And we were like, I want to be like you. You know, I was like, you want me? And I was like, I want you. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be like that. So we bought it. We bought P90X. We waited until it came, and you know how P90X is, right? You have like 25 payments of $15. You're like, oh, great. So we bought it. It came to our house. We put it in the DVD player, and we watched it. And we just sat there and watched it. Like, wow. Right? That's amazing. I hope I can do that. But I watched it. I didn't do anything else. The six-pack didn't come with it. I should have got the shirt with the six-pack just printed on it. But so many times, that's what we do. We just take the Bible and we say, this is what it says, but I'm just going to read it, and that's where it stops. We've got to begin to develop our faith. That, that first workout, I promise you, P90X is wrong because it's 60 minutes of jumping. No. No. Ten minutes in, we're like, is it over? You look at the timer, you're like, ten minutes. But we got through 30 minutes of it, and then we tapped out, we quit, we turned it off, and we said, that's good enough, babe, let's get some cake. I earned it. 
began to realize the more we did it, the more consistency we had with it, the more we developed our muscle, the more we began to grow stronger and, and, and firmer, the more we began to do it, I began to realize it became easier. That when a trial hits your way, you begin to trust God because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. When a trial hits your way, you say, you know what? I know I'm going to get through this trial because God got me through that trial. That I know I'm going to get through this trial because this trial was difficult, but now it's getting easier because I placed my hope in Christ Jesus. We're going to get swole this summer, all right? Is that, is that a good word, swole? But we're going to become spiritually mature. And when a trial hits our way, we're going to say, I don't think so, but I'm going to hang on through this. But here's my last point. Is A is attitude. T is trust. But the last one is, is wisdom. Is wisdom. Attitude, trust, and wisdom. But I want to say this in a loving way. That sometimes as Christians, and this is to no fault of our own, but sometimes when it gets tough in life, we break up with God. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. A trial hits our way and we say, nope, I'm, 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 I'm not doing that. But we've got to ask God for wisdom in that trial. I began to think this week, it was like, what was my most recent trial? My most recent trial was placing my trust in God when it came to planning a church. And we had a great team and a great location, but we begin to trust some other things and some other areas to say, will you bring this matching funds in this, into our life? And I begin to realize that through a process of, whether it's denial, through a process of going through this particular trial, by having the anxiety, the worry, the fear, to say, God, what are you teaching me through this? So our last point is, what's wisdom? That wisdom is something that you begin to ask God for. But in wisdom, we begin to ask this. If any of you lacks wisdom, this is what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Without finding fault. That we need wisdom to discern the source of our trials. To say, God... Where are you taking me with this? God, where are we going? You see, we, we know the destination, right? But sometimes we don't know how God's going to get us there. The whether you're in a trial and God's saying, I'm taking you this way. Or maybe God's placed some dreams in your heart, but it's been a bumpy road along the way. I remember one time I was driving. We're going to go to a destination, but I Googled the destination before we left. And it showed a different route than I never thought to take before. It was a quicker route, a better route. So I got in the car. My wife was with me. I began to drive, and then I turned off on the new route that she didn't know about. And instantly she said, you're, go you're going the wrong way. We're, we're supposed to go that way. And I said, no, nope, just trust me, babe. We're going to go this way. Why? Because Google gave me wisdom. Amen, huh? <laughs> Amen. I used to win all arguments until Google was invented, right? Now I don't win any arguments. But we went in this direction to say, you know what, I'm going to go this way because it's quicker, it's better. And she say, no, 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 we need to go this way. But sometimes we tell that to God. We say, God, you're, you're, you're doing all right, but I think we need to go this way. And God's saying, no, we're going to go this way. See, I grew up in North Dakota, and if you begin to drive down interstate, it's flat, 
Not even people there, all right? It's flat. There's fields, wheat fields. But in order to get to the fields where the harvest is, the road ends. When the pavement ends, you go into a gravel road, and that's where the harvest is. But the harvest in North Dakota, it's not where it's comfortable. It's rocky terrain. It's hard. It's difficult to drive on that gravel road. I begin to realize that someone once told us, told me, he, she said, that the harvest, when the pavement ends, the harvest begins. When it gets a little difficult, God is bringing your miracle. When it's getting really intense, and you say, I do not like this trial. We have to ask God, what, what are you teaching me in this trial? See, we need wisdom to discern the purpose of our trials. That if we value comfort more than what God is doing in our character, trials begin to upset us. But if we say, God, what is the purpose of this trial? What are you doing in me and through me? Now, I want to tell you this. This is my last point underneath wisdom. But that really is purity. Trials purify our lives. To say, God, what are you doing in this trial? Father, I, I'm asking for wisdom in this trial. Now, a lot of times, trials begin to remove some things in our life, begins to refine us a little bit better. It begins to give us that perseverance, that endurance. It begins to use us for His glory and for His praise. But oftentimes, trials begin to purify our lives. That God often uses pain to uncover sins or issues we haven't faced. And I don't like hearing that. But it is no pain, no gain. Develop my faith. Give me the perseverance. Give me the endurance. But God, He's such a loving God that He wants to heal you. He wants to pull that scab off and say, We're going to bring some healing into that life, into that area. I got plans for you that are incredible, that are mighty. But consider it pure joy when we fall into various trials because the trials test our faith give us perseverance and endurance that when you ask God for wisdom your newfound hope and faith you will endure trials with great joy because of your newfound hope in Christ Jesus that God has never failed me yet now I'm going to ask Dan to come out here real quick in the worship team. But I love this song, Do It Again, because it begins to talk about how he'll move mountains, how God's in our corner. But if God did it here, he'll do it over here. That there's no problem that God cannot face. There's no issue that is beyond our Savior. There's no trial more difficult for Him. But I want us to sing the song in just a moment to say, will you do it again? Will you do it again? Will you do it again? But here's the wrap up. It's attitude, trust, and wisdom will help you get all the way through every trial. 
will help you to say, what are you teaching me in this trial? What are you doing in my life? Will you stand with me, please? And just begin to sing out that verse for me real quick. But here's the thing. We're going to go through an entire book of James this summer. And we're going to begin to learn, this is living now. But I want to encourage you, through every trial, we know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. We know that we have a loving relationship with a loving Savior. And I just want to ask you this morning, normally we say, bow your heads and close your eyes and but if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I've never accepted Jesus into my heart. And maybe you were like James. Maybe you've, you've been to church. You've done the church thing. Maybe you've, you've known about God and you've known about Jesus. But you never believed in your heart. If you lived in proximity with him, maybe it's a, a parent who begins to talk about Jesus all the time. Maybe it's a spouse. But you never truly believed. And right now, this morning, the Holy Spirit is just tugging at your heart, saying, don't go through this trial alone. Don't go through this life alone without a relationship with the Father. And with every head up and every eye open, I'm going to ask you this morning, will you raise your hand and say, that's me, that I want to believe and have Jesus live into my heart. I want to accept Jesus into my life. Now I want to confess with my mouth that he is Lord of my life. Because I want to be saved. Thank you for those hands this morning. Thank you for those hands this morning. I'm so proud of this church. I'm so thrilled what God's doing. I cannot wait to see. Listen, we're three months old. Can you imagine what's going to happen in six months? In 12 months? Can you imagine what God is going to do in you and through you? That God wants to use you. He wants to use all of us for his praise and for his glory. That we want to put your story on paper. We want to put your story in a video. Because that trial is going to impact hundreds of people for his praise and his glory. But as we sing, do it again. I want to do something we've never done before. I don't begin to pray for this church. I know you're going through some gruesome things. I know you're looking death in the face. You're looking through that trial. You're saying, how in the world am I going to get through this? It's never been this big before. It's never been this difficult before. We want to pray with you this morning. Because the testing of your faith is going to develop perseverance. And that perseverance is going to begin to develop endurance. And that endurance is going to begin to develop hope in Jesus Christ. And that hope in Jesus Christ, it's going to be with you. It's going to be for you. But also you're going to be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Because I find my comfort in Christ Jesus. The prayer team, I want you to ask you to come forward. Prayer team, we're going to line up in the front. And we haven't done this as a church. But we're going to go into this song, and I want you to step out of your seat to say, I'm in this trial right now. I'm in this temptation right now. I'm in this tribulation right now. I don't have any hope right now. But I want you to step to your feet, and I want you to come forward and come to one of these prayer 
partners, prayer team. And I want you to ask him, just pray for me. Just pray for me. Because God's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. In Jesus' name. Go Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to know more details, you can visit our website at avenuechurch.cc or follow us on social media at Avenue LV Church. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.